This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Welcome to Tales. I'm Vanessa Richardson. This is the final installment of Beauty and the Beast, the classic girl meets monster tale. But this isn't the version of Beauty and the Beast you've heard before. The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. The original story of Beauty and the Beast glorifies incest that occurred in European royal families. Please exercise caution for children under 13. If you want to hear more tales, you can find episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. A new episode releases every other Saturday, so if you enjoy it, subscribe. When we left off last time, the Beast granted Beauty permission to visit home. This led to a fight between Beauty and the unknown man from her dreams, where the man questioned Beauty's true feelings for him, and Beauty realized she was beginning to care about the beast. Before the argument could be resolved, Beauty awoke in her own bed back at home. The reunion was glorious the whole family back together again, catching up and laughing. Beauty told them all about her time in the Beast's castle, how comfortable it was, how cute and sweet the birds and monkeys were, how the invisible servants her father suspected were merely a charm on the palace were designed to grant wishes, how it was filled with gorgeous items, Speaking of gorgeous items, trunks of riches had been delivered overnight. Each chest had an image of the beast on it. Beauty, you should wear this to my wedding next year, Adela exclaimed, fastening a delicate emerald necklace on Beauty's neck. I... I can't go to your wedding. Here was the tough part. Beauty explained she had to return to the Beast's castle in two months. Surely he'll let you leave again, Adela insisted. Beauty shook her head. This was a one-time trip. Beauty's father nodded grimly. He alone understood the power of the Beast. Later that day, Mark took Beauty aside you should consider accepting the beast's proposal. While gruesome, he's rich and he hasn't killed you yet. Perhaps if you married, he'd let us attend your wedding, 
Father, he's a monster. How could you think that? Mark leaned forward, stern. I'm thinking about your life, Beauty. I'm worried this is a goodbye trip. Beauty recalled the visit her father had been allowed after he plucked the rose. The month to say goodbye. Could that be the reason the beast sent her home? To say goodbye before he finally killed her? She doubted it. After their year together, Beauty trusted the beast. She knew, somehow, deep down, that he wouldn't kill her. Right? She fought back tears as she asked, You think marrying him would save my life? He's given you a year to consider the proposal. That's more than ample time. If you won't be his bride, keeping you alive in his castle may not have perceived value to him. Mark hugged Beauty, and she realized he was trying not to cry himself. I'll consider it, she told him, if only to ease her father's aching heart. Though she insisted she was only visiting for a brief time, Beauty found herself pursued by several suitors, but she thought only of the man from her dreams. Though they'd left on a sour note, she looked forward to making up with him. Even if they spent the rest of their lives trapped, they'd be trapped together, and Beauty knew she could live happily with him. However, when Beauty's last day came, she couldn't convince herself to turn the ring over. So she stayed for one more family dinner, one more walk with her father, one more late night of music in the parlor. That night, Beauty dreamed of the beast. Coughing, he'd lost half his weight. His lips were chapped around his tusks, and scales flaked off his face like dandruff. A beautiful lady appeared and urged Beauty to return, or the beast would die. Still in the dream, Beauty turned over her ring. She woke up in her room in the beast's castle. Beauty sprang from the bed. Still in pajamas, she went looking for the beast. Where was his bedroom? In all of her exploring, she'd never seen it. She'd never asked him about his rooms in the castle, or much of anything about him. In fact, she didn't even know if he slept. Beast? Hello, I I've returned. Beast? She wasn't even sure if Beast was his name. She felt bad about this now. She'd ask as soon as she found him. Hello! She raced down hallways, flinging open every door. She enlisted the birds and monkeys to help her find him, and they spread over the palace, searching. She thought she'd seen him in a bed, but the longer she was awake, the more the dream's details faded from her memory. Was he even indoors? She ran outside, yelling for him. A Capuchin monkey alerted her, pointing the entrance of a cave on the grounds. Being a reasonable person, 
Beauty had never entered the cave, but now she had no choice. She sent some of the birds for food, water, and medicine, and ran deep into the dark abyss. Hello? Are you here? She called. As monkeys ran past her with torches, she saw the beast illuminated. His breathing was slow, his heartbeat faint, but he lived. Unexpected, strong feelings washed over her. Relief, he lived. Joy at their reunion. Love when he met her eyes. She threw herself down next to him. How can I help you, save you? If you die, I'll die too. I didn't know it before, but you have my heart, my love. The beast smiled weakly. Since you love me, I will live. She kissed his scaly face and tenderly stroked his tusks. His paws were soft and gentle on her back as he held her close. The beast confessed he'd been so distraught in her absence that he tried to eat poison berries from his garden, but Delphine prevented it. Devastated, he found he was unable to eat. But now that Beauty was back, and she loved him, he would eat again. They enjoyed the food the monkeys brought them. Afterwards, Beauty curled up next to the beast and fell asleep. She dreamed of the handsome man. He greeted her ecstatically, coming in for a kiss. She pulled back and nervously explained that she'd agreed to love the beast. Though she would try to free her fellow prisoner, they couldn't marry as she'd hoped. She had a duty to the monster, and feelings she couldn't deny. She didn't love the beast the way she loved her unknown man, but she did love him. Beauty tried to convince the unknown man, and herself, that this was the logical choice. She could let go of true love for practical love. The man nodded his agreement. He said it was the best plan for all of them for Beauty to marry the beast. Beauty was shocked and annoyed the man would give her up that easily, Apparently, her affections meant nothing to him. This strengthened her resolve to marry the beast. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now let's continue our story. Beauty spent the next day caring for the beast. By evening, he was healthy enough to walk to the castle and sit down for their usual dinner. Resigned to her fate, Beauty went beyond politeness and found conversing with the beast immensely improved once she put in some effort. After dinner, 
he asked the usual question. Beauty, will you marry me? Yes. The beast awkwardly maneuvered to kiss Beauty's lips without stabbing her with his tusks. It took several minutes, but they discovered that if she turned her head completely sideways, both her lips could meet his lower one. After a few awkward smooches, the beast, who was still very much an ugly monster, proposed they go to bed. They settled down in Beauty's room, though she found his fur itchy and he scratched her a few times. The worst part of lying next to him was his breathing. Maybe after a few years of marriage, she'd get used to this, or convince him to let her sleep in her own bed. Eventually, she fell asleep. Beauty woke up next to a strange, undressed man. As a well-bred young woman, she was horrified. She'd already realized it may have crossed the line to sleep next to the beast, but she worried his health would take a turn for the worse overnight, and she didn't want to upset her dangerous future husband by denying him anything. She had to wake this man. Where was her beast? She looked more closely at the man and realized he was her unknown man, the man from her dreams, and the beast's oversized clothes were tangled in the sheets. How could this be? How didn't she realize this before? Her unknown man and her beast were one and the same. That's why the unknown man encouraged her to marry the beast. Don't be deceived by appearances, of course. The incredibly handsome man next to her was going to be her husband. But she should probably wake him up to confirm that, just in case she was wrong or it was wishful thinking. Beauty shook the unknown man. Good morning. Good morning. He didn't wake. It sounded like there were voices outside the room. Odd, no one else lived here. Beauty threw on a robe and peeked outside the door. An oddly sparkling young woman argued with a powerful older woman. The older woman wore a crown and a no-nonsense attitude. The sparkling woman spotted Beauty and called her over. Beauty curtsied. "'Welcome, ladies,' May I assist you with anything? The older woman sneered at Beauty. This is her? <laughs> She's a commoner. The sparkling woman stepped in. She broke the curse. Beauty, this is Queen Cecile. Cecile, this is Beauty. And, of course, I'm the fairy Delphine. You might recall me from some of your dreams. Beauty nodded. She vaguely recalled Delphine as the lady who told her to come save the beast, or her unknown man, or both of them, it seemed. Cecile faked a smile. Thank you kindly for breaking the curse on my son. You are relieved from any agreements to remain here or marry him. Take anything you can carry, 
will have a carriage return you to your village. You're sending me home? Beauty asked. Delphine nodded. You agreed to marry a beast, but he's now a prince, so technically the verbal contract is no longer binding. Cecile agreed with Delphine, adding that her son had only asked for Beauty's hand in order to break his curse, and it was nothing personal. At that point, the handsome man from Beauty's dreams, who was probably the beast too, entered. He beamed at Beauty. Queen Cecile got to him first. Adam! She enveloped him in a hug. No woman is ever taking you from me again. Adam greeted his mother and assured her that he and Beauty would live in the castle at the capital with Cecile. Cecile told Adam that it wasn't proper for him to marry a commoner, mentioning Adam's uncle Ernest, who married below his station, which resulted in his wife running off and his daughter getting murdered. Adam turned to Beauty, devastated. I didn't ask you to marry me just to break the curse. I mean, I did the first hundred times, but then I fell in love with you. Please stay, my dear Beauty. I'll become a beast again to be with you. Beauty remembered how physically awkward their first kiss was. I'd like to marry you as a man. Adam, is it? Adam nodded and kissed Beauty. This time, it was passionate and not at all awkward. Seeing Cecile's horrified face, Delphine comforted her. Actually, Beauty is no commoner. She told the story of Beauty's parentage, starting with King Ernest's uninformed marriage proposal and ending with Delphine convincing Mark the Merchant and his wife that Beauty was their child. Cecile considered the story, biting her lip. She looked between her son and her niece. You'll marry next week. Adam and Beauty rejoiced. They sat down to talk. For two people who had spent most of the last year with only each other for company, they had a lot of catching up to do. Adam told her how he had been raised by the evil fairy Belladonna and then cursed to be a beast. Then he explained how Delphine had charmed their dreams to intertwine, so his spirit could talk to her when they both slumbered. This way, Adam was able to get to know Beauty properly. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now the story continues. Beauty was hardly able to express her sympathies for her lover's trials before she was interrupted by the sound of a royal entourage approaching the castle. Cecile introduced Beauty, Adam, and Delphine to her brother, King Ernest. Beauty realized she had her father's nose and embraced him happily. Upon hearing the true tale, Ernest was thrilled his daughter hadn't been eaten by a bear, but was alive and engaged to his nephew. While they spoke, Delphine reanimated the statues in the garden, turning them back into palace servants. 
After ensuring all of the servants were fully recovered, Delphine apologized to Ernest for keeping Beauty's whereabouts a secret. She explained it was necessary to protect them from Belladonna. Beauty asked if they should be worried about Belladonna coming after them. Delphine patted her on the head. Not to worry. I brought my accounts of Belladonna's evil actions before the mother of all seasons, who took away your mother's powers and cursed you to marry a monster. After review, the mother of all seasons stripped Belladonna of her powers and imprisoned her. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief. Ernest wished aloud that his wife could be here on this happy day. No sooner had he said that than a beautiful fairy appeared. King Ernest embraced her, joyful. Beauty gathered that this was her fairy birth mother. Alice told her story. After being cursed by the mother of all seasons, Alice was trapped, powerless. After some time imprisoned, Alice learned the fairy queen had a daughter who was cursed to transform into a serpent upon reaching her 100th year, which was very young for a fairy. From prison, Alice offered to take on the curse herself. Alice transformed into a serpent in place of the fairy queen's daughter, and in return, she earned her freedom. The grateful fairy queen restored Alice's powers and granted her the status of fairy elder. Minutes later, Alice went to find her family, and here she was. Just when everyone thought the family reunions were over, twelve horses charged in. Riding the horses, all eleven of Beauty's very confused siblings and her father. They had all been out hunting when their horses raced uncontrollably eastward. The horses galloped for hours, only stopping just now. Delphine explained that she'd charmed their horses. She thought they might like to be here to meet King Adam, Beauty's husband-to-be. Mark was upset to learn that Beauty was not his true daughter. She assured him that he would always be her father. He'd raised her, he loved her, and he would always have a home at her castle. She then assured King Ernest that, being one of twelve children, her policy on family was the more the merrier. And merry they were. Beauty and Adam had an incredible wedding, celebrating their union with all the people they loved. For many years, they lived happily, ruling Adam's kingdom with guidance from Cecile. Whenever they could get away from ruling duties, Beauty and Adam would escape to the country castle where they fell in love. Over time, Beauty learned how to use her limited fairy powers. She extended Adam's life for long past the normal time, bringing their kingdom to a golden age. However, Adam couldn't live forever, and eventually, he died. Everyone Beauty loved died, but Beauty's fairy blood kept her living. She outlived each of her children and her grandchildren. She lived until even her descendants weren't really sure who she was, and the only family who knew her 
was her mother, Alice, who had long since lost King Ernest. But Beauty always remembered her beast and the beautiful life they lived after she broke his curse. Many people, or more accurately, internet think pieces, accuse Beauty and the Beast of promoting Stockholm Syndrome. That's the psychological condition where hostages begin to trust and love their captors. And, well, the tale is about a trapped woman who begins to care for her captor. Other people, and internet think pieces, say this story is about bestiality, for obvious reasons. However, this is actually a tale about arranged marriages. Imagine you're a teenage girl, and your father informs you that you're getting married. He's a big, hairy, smelly man in his 30s, and you're a tiny, delicate 14-year-old who's terrified of sex. To you, he seems like a monster, but over time, you realize he isn't all that bad. When you've overcome your fear of him and sex, he treats you like a queen. You live happily ever after as man and wife. In the tale, Beauty has to accept the situation her father put her in and learn to love her appointed husband. This love transforms him into the husband she desires. The moral of the story is to put on a happy face when... Dad makes you marry someone gross, and everything will work out in the end. Ironically, in recent adaptations, this tale which taught women to submit to the patriarchy morphed into its opposite. In the Disney versions, Belle independently sets out to save her father, savvily bargains for his life, and rejects the traditional option, Gaston. She uses her wits to save the beast— and falls in love on her own terms. In fact, Belle, star of a story originally teaching women to do what men tell them without question, is now regarded as the most feminist Disney princess. Thanks for listening to Tales. If you want to listen to more tales, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory or listen on parcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, we'd truly appreciate a five-star review. Next time, we're starting a new story. Tales was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Tales is written by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>